Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? So happy to have you all back here at the Sports and Torts Party. Today's date is Friday, October 7th. It is a beautiful fall afternoon. And playoff baseball starts today. However, y'all might notice the Braves are not playing today. Why is that? Because for the fifth year in a row, they are NL East division champions. But guess who is playing today? The second place NL East Mets. So what sick, demented idea did I have today? It was to invite onto this podcast the lone Mets fan I know running around Atlanta. And guess what? He said yes. The one and only, the brave, the strong, Mr. Mark Glickman in the house. My friend, you're a brave man. You're a brave soul. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't know you were going to introduce me that way, but fair enough. Uh, You know, whatever has happened has happened, and uh, I'm excited. The Mets are playing tonight in about two hours. Uh, I'm nervous for it, but uh, it's not often the Mets are in the postseason, so... uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. But thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here doing the podcast, watching the game with you after, and uh, it's going to be fun. Well, there's more introduction to come. There's a lot more to you than just that. But with the many texts we've sent this couple last couple of weeks, the conversations, the gifs, um, I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been fun being a Braves fan. That's all I can tell you. So can I interrupt you for one second? Sure. Before we, before we continue with whatever line of questioning you've got, I have something for you. Come on. I have a gift for you, Josh. So I don't know if, if, uh, if you get a lot of gifts in these podcasts, but you, you clearly see the shirt I'm wearing. People will see that shirt uh, when, when the pictures come out. <laughs> yes. I've got one yes. for you. Believe it or not, I actually spent my own money on this. I, I can't believe I did that. Um, but I did. And as as they it, say, with, you're, with pride, you're, you're a real mensch, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, we're, of course, we were on, we were on video. Uh, the, or excuse me, we're not on audio, video. so you can't see video. Uh, the shirt that you're wearing... This is a uh, family-friendly podcast, so we're going to spell it out. Yeah. F, exclamation, blank, exclamation, blank. K, the Braves. The shirt you got me, which I'll be putting on tonight, is that same F, exclamation point, exclamation point, asterisk, asterisk, K, the Mets. So F the Mets, F the Braves. <laughs> I love it. We're going to have to redo the picture later. We'll have to redo the picture. Yeah, we will. We, 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 that, that, that's awesome, man. Um, <laughs> well, you know, look, like I said, there's more to you than, 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 just, than just that. Um, you are a youth baseball coach. You're the president of Eastside Baseball. Um, you work for uh, Orkin. Is that the name of the Orkin company? Orkin Associates. Yeah. Orkin Associates. Commercial, is, is, commercial real estate. Yeah. Um, you do accounting for them. I do. Which is interesting because my brother last week was on our first account, and now we've got our second. So I was going to make a comment when I, I was actually listening to that podcast today, just sort of getting back in the swing of your podcast, preparing for tonight. And I was like, wow, Josh's brother's an accountant. He's having, I was like, I don't know if ratings are, are really good that you need to slow things down or if ratings are really bad that you're trying to spice it up with a couple of accounts. But, you know, as you said in his podcast, maybe he's not the prototypical uh, accountant personality. I don't know. I don't think that I am. But uh, so you've got kind of two maybe unique accounts on back to back. Well, that's true. I mean, I don't I don't put you in that category of like, again, I can make fun of accountants because my brother's one and I'm a lawyer. People make fun of lawyers. Um, but you and him both are not the prototypical, you know, kind of accountant people. Uh, you're super cool, super fun, super athletic. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Y'all Giving Accountant's a good name. You and there ben. we go. There we go. So you are from New York. I am. Which, yep. which means that you were born into this Metsdom. I was. Uh, but yeah. now you're here in Atlanta. So for people who don't know you, kind of talk about your, your, you know, your route down here. I'm happy to. So I grew up on the South Shore of Long Island. Uh, Long Island. I don't know if I, 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 people say I've lost my accent in the 20 plus years I've been down here. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Long Island's such a good bear, a barometer of like how your accent is. Like. I, Long go, Island. I go back home and, and I'll come back here and people will say, oh man, where you, you got your accent back. So slip right I, I, you slip right into it. But um, no, I grew up Long Island. You know, I have an older brother. Um, you're, you're the older brother in your family, right? Okay. So I have an older brother who's probably about the same age difference as you guys. Uh, he went to Cornell and I used to visit him in high school all the time and middle winters in Cornell and Ithaca, New York are, are, are the most brutal temperature you can ever imagine. And I made a decision my, my sophomore year of high school that I'm moving south for college. Like that was just, I don't care where I didn't, I wasn't even planning schools or anything yet, but I said, I'm moving south. And so, um, you know, as I approached my senior year, uh, my high school baseball coach, I asked him, hey, where, where do you think I might have a shot to play? For those aren't, obviously this is in video, I'm a, I'm a five foot five little white Jewish guy. So my options are somewhat limited, but I had, you know, a little bit of talent. And uh, he said, you should look at Emory. I never heard of it. Uh, where's Emory? Atlanta. Came down, visited the school, fell in love from, from the moment I stepped on campus. Uh, it didn't hurt that it was the middle of, you know, the end of August and, uh, and the weather was beautiful and the women were beautiful. Chamber and, of Commerce Day. Uh, absolutely. So I fell in love right away. I didn't even bother to meet the baseball coach. I said, I'm applying. You know, Division three, you're not getting scholarship anyway. I said, I'm, I'm applying. Uh, it was my first choice. Got in and uh, ended up coming down to Atlanta. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so that, that's how I ended up here. Um, as far as the accounting thing, um, you know, my, my dad's a CPA, so I grew up with that in the family. Um, I swore over the many years that I used to go to work with my dad in Manhattan that I would never in a million years you are. end you up doing are. what he did. Just not, not because it, it's a great profession, obviously, and, and, um, and it pays very well, but, uh, you know, sitting at your desk all day and staring at your computer and, and numbers, it just didn't feel like that was me uh, until I got to college. And it was the first class that I actually did well in, in the business school. In the blood, man. And, uh, I just, and I went with it. So, uh, I ended up, uh, you know, after graduating, worked at Deloitte and Touche for four years. Um, you know, one of the big, your brother mentioned the big, the big four it is now it was the big six back when I was applying for schools. Now the big four spent some time there, uh, uh, left, went back to get my master's, and uh, went to work at Delta Airlines for about four years. Well, it's worked out for you. You got a lovely wife, Christy, two great boys living in Roswell. Everything's good, man. Everything's good. Everything's great. Yeah, Christy and I met at, at the airline, actually. So we, uh, we worked in the same department and uh, flew around the world together. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So you live in Roswell, yet you're playing in, you know, you're associated with Eastside Baseball, which is kind of unique, right? Um, thank is, God that yeah. you crossed over and, and came to us because we'll get into your role there. That's how we met. That's how all of us are friends. But um, I don't know if I've ever asked you, like, how did y'all end yeah, up? Yeah, it's a great question. So we we uh, we live sort of right on the border of Cobb County and, and Fulton, right on Roswell, you know, 120 over by the, the Kroger over there. And so we were kind of equidistant to playing at Eastside or playing Roswell. I had honestly never even heard of Eastside baseball when we were living over there. I just so you, so you mean like the days when I was playing in Eastside growing up, and you were in New York, like the the, the legend, the stories didn't make it no, up there. It, it, you, no, you, you didn't hear didn't about it, it there, but even down here, I never even I hadn't heard of it. But that's a whole other thing. Growing up, we we did not, and we can get into this later, but we did not have the the just the quantity of baseball that we play down here. Mm -hmm. I wish we did. I, I would have loved it, but. 
uh, you know, we played in, in, in April and May, and that was really about it. Maybe a little in June over the summer, but we didn't have these summer all-star teams or these travel teams. It was nothing. like. Well, if we did, I didn't know about it. Let's right. leave it at that. So, um, But anyway, I, you know, we lived, like I said, pretty close to Roswell Baseball, pretty close to Eastside, and we had some friends in the neighborhood that played at Eastside, and he told me, he said, listen, there's no, there's no comparison. You guys need to come over to Eastside and play at Eastside. And I said, all right, let's go play at Eastside. Uh, so we never even uh, signed up at Roswell and ended up at Eastside. And, um, you know, from the, the moment I stepped into Fuller's Park and, and, and met some new people and watched my kids playing on those fields, it's just, it's the best, you know, fell it? in love with it. It's the best. So you're, Caleb would have started playing in 2000 and what? How many years I ago? I was trying to think about this last night. I think, um, so Caleb is 14, so he started at, at, he started here at Eastside when he was six. So that was so yeah, eight, eight years, years ago. ago. Did you immediately start 14, coaching? 15, right, right away, yeah. We had come, I'd pl- we had played a year at Wills Park in Alpharetta just because it's close to my office. So it wasn't their first year playing baseball. We had played and I'd coached for a couple years at other parks. But yeah, right, right away we, we signed up and I signed up to be a coach. And um, I don't know if I was going to make it. There were 20 teams in the Pinto League that year. Nobody knew who I was and who's this new guy. He wants to be a coach. We don't know anything about him. And I think I got the last spot. Uh, so it worked out well. And I then, don't think we won a game though that year, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. For uh, those that were on that, you, that Rockies team that the year, Rockies, that was, uh, that, was, that was a tough one. But you've had a ton of success with coaching travel teams. Y'all have won World Series. You've been all over the place. So what, what has kind of been your approach to taking teams and coaching them travel and, and keeping teams together? Because it's, I mean, God knows we talk about it all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, we, you know, going back to my first year or two at Eddie's, I, I didn't even know those were th- summer all stars. I didn't know that was a thing. We yeah. knew about travel baseball. So the, you know, the introduction of it is, is playing summer all stars as you guys are, are well aware. So once we got involved in that, um, you know, watching your kids out there playing over the summer, you know, doing what they love, coaching, having a great time. Um, you know, it's just kind of a natural progression from there as your kids get a little bit older and their talent starts to improve. They want to play travel. They want to play more year round. Um, and so, you know, it's a little, you, you hear these horror stories about travel, uh, you know, you shouldn't let your kids play travel year round. Well, let me tell you, if, if your kids love it, if it's their passion and you can see it when they're playing, you can tell if they're passionate about it, let them let play, them do it. let them play. 99.9% of these kids are not playing in the major leagues. Most of them are probably not playing high level division one baseball. Some may not play in high school, enjoy right? It. Let enjoy them now. play now. now and let them enjoy it as long as they possibly can. And when they're done, they'll tell you. And, and that's when you know uh, that it's over. For sure. And, and one thing I've always liked about the teams you put together um, is, you know, the families are a big part of it, right? And getting good, a good, group, good group of parents, the kids get along, which makes the environment and the atmosphere just better for everybody, right? 100%. I mean, it's like the people that don't understand that, I just want to be like shaking them. I'm like, this is what it's all about at this age. Now, when they get older, it's a little different. And Caleb, I guess, is it's getting close to the getting age where it's getting yeah. more competitive. But when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 – Come on, let, let's let's look at it for what it, what it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, we, we we kept basically the same group of families together for for all those years. Uh, you know, we add one, lose one here and there, but I got to be honest. I, I in in all the years I've coached, I've been coaching eight or nine years, maybe close to ten years now, especially at the all star and travel level. I really haven't had a bad family. I mean, it's amazing. You hear horror stories, but I haven't experienced it. Um, you know, the, the people that we've been with have been great. Some of our best friends in the world are, are from these these baseball teams, and uh, we've just had the best experience ever. Agreed. I think that we're blessed around here. Really, it's, you know, I think we might take it for granted. Number The quality of families, number one, and then, two, the quality of players. 
I mean, it's it's a it's a rare combination, and no I think our, I think our boys understand it. I mean, all their best friends. I mean, Braden's over here and Caleb too, hanging out with with Graham, and um, that's what it's supposed to be. You know, well, and you see it on the you know you see. I'm not going to name other programs by name, but you see it with the, the other teams that you play in, in All Stars and over the summer with travel. I mean, you watch some of the interactions with with coaches and umpires and parents and coaches, and and it's it's just night and day different than what we have here at Eastside and and kind of the rec park experience and. Uh, we're, we're very uh, fortunate to have that. And you went one step further. Coaching, coaching wasn't enough, for my man Glickman. You, you had to go one step further, and you're like, I'm a you know, board member, and then had to go one more step further from that, and president, and then repeat president. Oh Are goodness. you still president? I am still president. Are you always going to be I, president? <laughs> this is, I, I, I've kind of lost year, track. What year are you on? I think this is my fourth term. Terms are a year. I think I'm in my fourth right now, probably seven or eight as uh, serving on the board. Um, you know, I just, I was asked by, uh, by uh, a board member at Eastside, uh, Mark Morneau, who you know, uh, early on in my years at Eastside, I had coached a year or two at All-Star Baseball, and uh, he said, man, you'd be really great to have on the board. Would you ever consider it? And again, you know, being so, so new, I didn't even know that there was a board that ran the program, right? What do they do? do? And yeah. So he gave me a little rundown, and I said, I'd be happy to do that. I mean, more time at the park, you know, giving back a little bit to this organization that has benefited my, my family and my kids so much. And so it was kind of a no-brainer to me to uh, – to, to, to do it. The, the funny thing is I create, I didn't, I didn't know what the competition was. I didn't know if I was running against other people. So I, I put this, not a speech, but I wrote down, you know, took it a, a page of like, you know, I, I don't know, whatever you call it, the reasons why I Mark felt like Lickman I was it, Mark Lincoln for president, Mark Lincoln for war member. And I emailed it out to all the families that I knew at Eastside. I and mean, here's why you should vote for me. I think I might have run out of That's posts. Awesome. Like, I had That's no awesome. idea. But I'm picturing you in, like, the, <laughs> in the, like, the high school cafeteria. It's like, here's my platform. Vote for Mark. Um, well, you know, you, went, you had to go through COVID. You, were, you had to see the part through that, which whoever could have predicted that being a situation. Man, so they, they, they joke with me. You know, I, I was, uh, I guess, taking a step back, back a step. Um, after two or three years in the board, uh, our president at the time was stepping down and we were looking for a, a new president. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, they asked the board members, who doesn't want to be president? And you see who raises their hand. And pretty much everybody raised their hand except for me. And they said, Mark, we think Last you'd be minute, great. You'd be perfect. We yeah. think you'd be great. But in all, but in all seriousness, I, th- I think it has been a great fit. I, as you know, I'm, I'm a pretty even-keeled type of personality, which I think is kind of important for a position like that. And that was kind of what people had told me at the time, too. And I was kind of hedging whether I should do it or not. Ended up doing it. I'm glad I did. It's been a great four years. COVID was, uh, was, was super challenging. I mean, obviously, in the business world, it was, it was challenging. In the, in the rec baseball world, it was equally as challenging. You know, we had to make decisions to take baseball away from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, and it was one of the hardest things we ever had to do, or that I've ever had to do, um, was to make that decision. Uh, they joke with me that there'll be a statue at Eastside saying, "This is the guy that that took baseball away that, from the yeah, from the kids, the Grinch that stole the baseball." Grinch, so that was me. You know, and, and I know they're giving you hell about that, and little did everybody <laughs> know. And we're all just kidding, but y'all did everything you could to to make it work. I mean, I remember all the different you know, uh, clause is the wrong word, but it was like, okay, let's come up with a way where if this person has it, that person, like, but we still have to get this league going and just come up with ways to make it safe. Yeah, we, we were able to sort of mitigate the risks as best we could. But at the end of the day, if there was families out there that thought it was too risky, you just didn't have to play, right? right. I mean, that was the simple solution, don't, just don't play. And so uh, with the, I think the only season we missed was that spring 2020 season. I 
think we played in the fall. I'm, I'm drawing maybe a blank a little bit as to whether we played in the fall. If not, we definitely played spring 2021 with some uh, new COVID rules, and, and things went great. We didn't have any major issues. Um, re- enrollment at the park right now, or it's not really enrollment, I guess it's registration at the park right now, is absolutely through the roof. Um, so and, I, I read, and this is this is not to suggest that the enrollment is through the roof, not because of you as president, but I, I read that when a, when a team, when a major league team wins a World Series, the following year, youth sports for that, you know, baseball increases. It makes sense, right? So have you, so have you heard that? Or have you seen that? I have heard Atlanta? that. Uh, uh, there are, are a few people on the board that were talking about that. Uh, even before the Braves won the World Series last year, this has been a discussion that, yeah, enrollment's down. We'll just wait till the Braves start making the playoffs. You know, the Braves had some tougher years, I guess, you know, early on when we were at Eastside. But uh, we saw it. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, was, I didn't know that it was going to happen. But after the Braves won the World Series, our registration the following year was up 20 25%. Uh, so I don't know what else you attribute to that to. Some of it might be coming out of COVID. Kids wanting Want to get, get back out there, but I, I do think a lot of it had to do. So with is it. the turf field something that you can take credit for? Is uh, the improvement under your watch? Yeah, the, uh, the softball field down the, the turf field. Uh, we have to thank the school the school district for that. I so think, modest. You're I such a that, modest guy. You're saying, hell yeah, that was under who's my listening w- to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, is this the, thing on. Yeah, the turf. The turf first. The tur- it's a it's a great facility. It's so amazing. we we are very happy. We're very thankful for for the school district in Cobb County to to provide that field for us. Um, and we're hopeful that uh, a few more fields over at Eastside over the next couple of years might, might become turfed, uh, you know, through our own funding, uh, the help of Cobb County, we're working with them right now, um, possibly doing a few fields with us, so uh, more to come there. But um, it's the wave of the future, uh, less rainouts. It's, it's really unbelievable what, what parks that have turf fields play, play season round. They don't lose any games. Uh, it's something that needs to happen eventually. It's the best, man. I think it was me, you, I think Brian Hampton were there. The first practice our kids had on that turf field. And I'm like, someone hit me some ground balls. Like I, I, here, I, right. I just want some ground balls. Right. And I think we're all out there just playing. Cause you can't help yourself. It's just, it's just it's invites beautiful. you yeah, yeah. to do that. So yeah. we so. take it. I, I, I hope my kids don't take it for granted. Cause when I grew up, I never played in a field like that um, ever. And we played on no, the, especially in New York. We didn't have fields like they have down here. It was all dirt field no fences you know kind of run down looking fields uh what our kids playing right now is is pretty amazing they go to the cal ripken experience they go to shipyard they go to cooperstown they go all these places and it's it's just great and the, par- the parents enjoy it too i mean i think that's the everybody knows it but the parents enjoy it just as much as the kids just as much, just as much. <laughs> i mean that's where all of our friendships come from it's just awesome all right now you are we said this you are from new york obviously yeah. Uh, we skipped over what we were drinking today. I was oh, yeah. so excited to talk about, you know, the Mets collapse. Did I say that again? Um, oh my God. That I that I that I skipped over. I asked you. I said, "What should we drink?" And you said, "Let's drink Manhattan's," which is a very obviously a you know typical and, and from from New York. Well, they so. didn't have a drink called a Flushing. That would have been my my second choice, being where the Mets play. But Manhattan's are good, so that's what we went with. So we we concocted it. We've got some bourbon. We've got the vermouth. We've got the bitters. We've got the cherries, which really I think is is what does it. Yeah, you're right. gonna get to one close there at the end, and, and it's gonna blow your mind. I'm about to make myself a second <laughs> one. So so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna ask you a question that's gonna require a lot of talking. All right, you fair can, enough. All right. So you, so when you're when you're born in New York, are you born into being a Mets fan or a Yankees 100%. fan? Hundred percent. So 100%. for you, it was like, no that's what your dad was, and that's what you are, because you're obviously a baseball guy, always been a baseball guy. I imagine. Always, my whole always. life. So, so you were raised like, hey, good, bad, or indifferent, like, 
You're that's it. I was I was born in 76. I probably started really getting into baseball in, you know, 82, 83. Um, and I was a Mets fan. My dad, my dad was a Mets fan. And, and so I was a Mets fan. Um, I'm a Jets fan, too, believe it or not. I hate to. Bless your, I mean, bless, but, bless your but, heart. But, you know, those do go together. As a lot, a lot of you know, Mets and Jets uh, seem to sort of follow each other. And, and uh, man, if I had just chosen Yankees-Giants, I'm glad I didn't. But how many championships would I have right now if I chose Yankees-Giants? I don't feel like you're a Yankees guy, though. I can't know. Definitely not. I, I mean, so, so do you just hate the Yankees? Hate them. Who do you hate more, Yankees? Actually, or? I was at lunch today by my office, and a guy walked in wearing a Yankees hat, and I said to one of my coworkers, who lets these people in here? Like, it's really <laughs> ridiculous. Them. Like, we, they need to get out. So who do you hate more, Braves or the Yankees? Wow. Knowing that you live here in Atlanta now, surrounded by obnoxious people like me that just send you text messages it's really, every day. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably Braves, to be honest. Um, I, I, I mean, can see that. You know, it's just more of a rivalry. Much I mean, more Mets, Yankees are, you know, back in 2000, Mets-Yankees World Series was, you know, yes, that question back then, it was Yankees. But now, since then, it's the Braves, man. I just, I can't, I can't stand the announcers. <laughs> Um, it's we this and we that, and you guys aren't on the team anymore. Frank Hoare, I know you play. Listen, he was a Met guy too, but he's a brave. He's okay, a brave. he's a brave. He's a brave. Right? You don't play anymore. Okay, it's not we. It's them. All right, drives me nuts. What do you about Chipper Jones? Chipper Jones. Uh, listen, it's hard. You got to respect the guy for his career. I mean, good lord, he named his son Shay. I mean, Just that's the, that's the ultimate, the ultimate yes. kick in the you know what double finger to Mets fan. Also, a show of respect, though. I think so. I mean, I, I think, think it was so. a show of respect. I yeah. mean, at least that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, you know, actually, um, what was it? 2015, the Mets in the world that World Series against the Royals. I was in the airport fly. I went to Game Three, the only game the Mets won that year. And I'm in the airport flying home, not Chipper, but from that team, uh, Glavin. I guess he was doing, doing the announcing or he's somehow involved in, in the mm-hmm. broadcast for that game. And he was sitting right next to me in, in the airport lounge. And I had the greatest conversation with him. Um, he's the nicest guy in the whole world. Uh, we had a great talk about his time with the Mets, time with the Braves. Um, uh, you know, you see how I'm moving off a of Chipper? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the lifeline here. Um, 86 Mets. Yeah. Everybody loves the 86 Mets. Have to. Have to. Do you remember being 10 years old and that going on? Yes. The funny thing about that, though, is I was 10, like you said. I didn't realize. Obviously, I I knew how great the team was, and it was a special year, the greatest year in Mets history. But what you didn't know when you're 10 is all the – all the personalities on that team. Let's you know keep it keep it PG. We had no idea. How would Doc you know? and Daryl and Hernandez and and all those guys. Kevin Mitchell. All these even Ron guys, Darling had his had his side. I mean, we didn't. You didn't well, know about. You didn't know about too. the mm-hmm. the craziness of that team until maybe maybe adults at the time did. But certainly, I was sheltered from it. And when you're 10, you're just into the baseball. You had no idea how crazy those guys were, and they were some crazy. Crazy. Crazy people. Yeah. So the 30 for 30 on that team is the best. It's the best. I mean, how many times do you watch that? I only watched it once, but I, I've watched, I've watched, you know, I watched the Doc and Daryl uh, 30 for 30, which is pretty awesome. I watched, was that the four-parter? The four-parter, four yeah. That was great. I've read the, um, Jeff Perlman has a book called The Bad Guys Won. Mm-hmm. Read that book. Phenomenal. There's actually a great passage in that book that um, I'm not going to do it justice, but uh, for those that recall, game everyone remembers Game Six, '86, Buckner. But Go going yeah. going back a series before the NLCS that year, Mets Astros Game Six, probably the greatest game in 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 
nationally championship history. Like Mike Scott pitching or something. I don't it even know. It wasn't Mike Scott, but the Mets are the Mets are up three to two in the series. If they lose, they gotta face Mike Scott in game seven. So you don't want that. Game the over. game goes sixteen innings. Long story short, scores back and forth, back and forth. The Mets win it, obviously. And they're exhausted. The game ended at nine, nine thirty in Houston time. All the traveling folks in the Mets are like, we got to get on the plane, got to get on the plane. They're all boozing in the clubhouse. They finally get him to the airport. They get him on the plane. And by all accounts, this plane ride back to New York, wives were on the plane imagine. too. can only imagine. Was the most um, destructive plane ride you can ever imagine. Just pure debauchery. The, the debauchery that occurred, and you probably don't even hear all the stories now, but supposedly uh, there were cake fights and, you know, Beer flowing everywhere and champagne flying everywhere. Um, they caused so good. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage to that plane. And it was United Airlines plane. And the funny thing about that is United wasn't even the charter carrier for the Mets. Whoever was doing the charter didn't have a plane, so United said, we'll, we'll take them. Never they were, again. They were hoping to yeah. get the Mets business. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. So what happens there is the owner just stroke a check. Well, and so what happened was they, they the owner gets a bill for $10,000, $20,000, which ultimately not a not a ton of even money. Even at 86. Even at 86, not a, yeah. not a lot of money. But uh, he was so angry. This was, this was uh, who? I don't even remember the owner. It must have been, um, I think, Nelson Doubleday and Frank Cashin with the GM. Frank Cashin goes to the manager, David Giant, says, we got a bill here for 20 grand. The players are, the players are paying the it. Around. The players are paying it. And so he's like, I'll take care of it. They close the door. Frank Cashin leaves. David Johnson says, guys, you're about to make these people so much effing money. They can pay the they damn bill. Don't even worry don't even about, worry about it. it. That's <laughs> and they awesome. did. And that, they did. <laughs> that's awesome. So game six, we've all seen the, the ball going through Buckner's legs. I mean, it's legendary. Do you remember watching it in real time? Yeah, for sure. So 30, what, 35 years later, I mean, that's still the highlight of your Mets career, right? I was, so at, you ha- you have I to was, I was at my friend Jason Hall's house for a sleepover. And I remember Jason had a German shepherd that I was deathly afraid of. Um, but the anecdotally that has nothing to do with the story but at my friend Jason's house and uh, we're in his room just watching on probably was a TV the size of you know (laughs) a laptop computer Um, and yeah it just was an unbelievable moment you had no idea it was going to happen two outs nobody on game over Um, you know you read the stories Keith Hernandez was back in the clubhouse smoking a cigarette drinking a beer Um, it was over it was over and then they just put together the most miraculous inning with two outs and nobody on. Base hit, base hit, base hit, pass ball, error, game over. Can you imagine that series of events in today's day and age with Twitter and social media and all the stuff that would follow? Because not that it's the same thing, but when uh, Soler hit that home run last year in, in game six to propel the Braves a victory, I've watched that a million times in one way, shape, or form on some different you know, social media post. Can you imagine what they would have done with the Buckner stuff? Oh, my God. It would have been – you know, they, they ran Buckner out of Boston. I don't know poor how – actually, I don't know how it gets even worse than that, but they, they, they ran him out of, out of town, and poor guy was, was playing on one leg. Um, he was in there just for the last inning just so he could be on the field so when they, when they won the World Series that Buckner could be out there. And then that's how. And, and actually, it's ironically about Buckner, I didn't even know this, but I, I was watching the – the Hank Aaron home run, I guess kind of bringing it back to the Braves, when Hank Aaron hit that, uh, that record home run uh, here in Atlanta, I forget what year it was, Bill, Bill Buckner was, out, was in the left field during that game. Really? I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. You just never know what kind of trivia you're going to learn here on Sports and Tours. There, yep. My other favorite thing about the Mets is every summer, Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> poor, that Bob, guy, poor Bobby. Poor Bobby? No, not poor Bobby. Not poor not Bobby. Bobby. Not poor Bobby's the, the 
smartest man going, he gets a million dollars, right? Million, yeah, one one point one or one point one every, every day for July first for I think it lasts maybe five, six, seven more years. I love Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, deferred deferred money. Um, you know, there. So Brett Saberhagen also gets the same deal. He gets about two hundred fifty thousand dollars from the Mets every year. Um, Ken Griffey, believe it or not, has a similar deal with the Reds. Yeah, but no um, one gets notoriety to the Bobby. But that's it. Bo- I, poor Bo- Bobby, Bo- gets, Bobby gets the better half because obviously Bobby's not Brett Sarigan. Bobby's not, not Ken Griffey Jr. He's, he's Bobby Bo, and he had a, a very up-and-down career with the Mets. And, um, you know, the new owner, believe it or not, you got to love the new owner, Steve. Well, I was going to ask Steve, you, I was going to bring us, bring us present day because yeah. the Mets, I will just say this, they're going to be a problem. For the Purbrace fans, like they're going to be a problem. They're a problem this year, but they're going to be a problem because y'all's owner is going to do what it takes. I think. Well, it's night. It's night and day compared to what we have. I mean, our previous owners, you know, Fred Wilpon and, and his brother Jeff. You know, Fred. Fred grew up. He was buddy buddy with Bernie Madoff. They were they were best friends growing up. I think is what it was. Maybe it was him and his dad. I can't remember the story, but you know, all the Mets money back in those days was invested with with Bernie Madoff. Right? And they got royally screwed. That money is now no they longer there. They got royally screwed. And so the Mets turned into, you know, what I call it is kind of the Oakland A's of the East Coast. It wasn't Oof, seriously to that effect. But, you know, they weren't spending money. There were free agents out there at the time that we should have gotten that we didn't got. We were, making, we were trading away, you know, prize prospects for, for, for guys that had no business being on the team. And for years and years, the Mets were clamoring to get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy. And finally, finally, was it a year or two ago, Steve Cohn, we call him Uncle Steve. Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Steve. Steve. With New, York, New York hedge fund fund What owner. is his background? He's a hedge he's fund a hedge guy. Fund. He's a hedge fund guy. New York. He's the richest owner in baseball. I couldn't even tell you how much money he's got, but it's, it's way more than any other one. So let me say this. If I'm Uncle Steve, I do exactly what he does. Right? Wouldn't you do that if you if you billions of dollars, you'd buy your favorite team, and then you that's, would... That's the other uh, great thing about the story is he is a Mets fan. He grew up a Mets fan. He's a diehard Mets fan, and he bought the friggin' Mets. And he's spending the money. Uh, in just two years, he's turned this team around into a, a World Series contender. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, times are good right now. Well, times were good. Let me, let me play this for you. Day has come and gone. Tomorrow, matter of fact, is June 1st. We just showed you the NL East standings. You don't need me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The NL East is over. That's right. It's a wrap. Tell him, Sal. Is touching the Mets. Tweet me the hate all you want about the Jinx. Nonsense. The Mets will be nationally Tell him, Sal. Champs, and I don't even think the Braves are going to challenge them. The Phils, please, you've seen them. I won't even make Ouch. Salicata. Ouch. I have unfollowed him on Twitter, by the way. What is the New York media like? Because everybody says it's so soft in Atlanta. Guys like this that just run their mouth, and then, I don't know, I mean, you tell me. You know, so he, I, I, th- I think he still works for WFAN Radio, which is, was kind of the original sports radio station in, in the world, really. I mean, you know, I grew up, I didn't listen to music growing up. I listened to WFAN, 660 The Fan. That was my life. I listened to Chris Mad Dog Russo in the afternoon with he's still going, Mike right? Francesa. He does, he's got, uh, he's on Sirius right now doing his thing. Uh, but, you know, the New York media is, uh, they're everywhere, man, like, I don't I, in in the club ask, you know players are bombarded by media asking questions. So I, I understand it, it definitely takes you know a unique personality to be able to handle New York media. From, not from a player perspective, too, but from a manager perspective, which is why I think Buck is so phenomenal because he's very even keeled. He is even keeled. He's got the experience with the New York media from his days with the Yankees. Um, he's got that super dry sense of humor that New Yorkers love, and um, 
He's doing an unbelievable job. If he's not manager of the year, Sierra, there, we need we need to, to double check the, Ooh, the numbers. We'll see but, what happens with that. And, and listen, going back to the the, the the ten and a half point lead or whatever whatever it was, yeah, it was it was ten point. It was ten point five. All right, ten point five. You, you've seen the listen, shirts. Ten point. I saw the shirt. The the Braves played. Was it seven fifty baseball? Seven seventy from June first on. I mean, that's ridiculous like there's no team that can keep up with that and at the end of the day the Mets and Braves both finished 101 and 60 or 101 and 60 whatever 101 61 uh this stupid tiebreaker rule that they added this year we should be playing one we should have played one right game now. on Thursday yeah, we, I agree, I agree. yesterday right? I agree with that but they can't I guess they couldn't do the tiebreaker and not then, with, not with not the, the new playoffs card. and it's fine at the end of the day uh, it was it was heartbreaking, um, you know. Especially, I've never been more excited for a series than those three games in Atlanta at the end of the season. We spent I don't know how you, many hundred dollars on tickets for all those. Games. Games. I went to the first two, and after that, I couldn't. Um, I just couldn't go again. Well, I just, you texted me on Sunday, and you're like, I just can't go back. I couldn't do it. I can't go back there. I couldn't do it. Okay, so I, I do want to move on, but real, <laughs> real quickly, I, I, I love hearing the perspective from the other teams' fans. So can you think of like two or three moments along the way between the Braves and the Mets rivalry that just jump out to you? You're like, F those Braves. Oh, man. Like historically, not just this year. Historically, you're talking about over yeah, the historically. years. Yeah, I mean, um, you know. I want to see where this pain comes from. Yeah, I mean, so it, it, it started, you know, mid-90s. Braves moved to the NL East, right? In 1993-94, in they realigned the divisions and Braves moved from the West, which I never <laughs> Never understood why the Braves were in the West. Why were they in the West? Uh, Braves were in the West. They moved to the East. I think they kicked the Pirates out of the East, and they created this central division. So now you got the Mets and Braves, Phillies, Marlins, and and Expos, I guess, at the time. So uh, Braves were obviously dominant through the 90s. And the Mets, you know, it was 97, 98 that they actually started to put together a team that was competitive. They traded for Piazza. That was probably... You know, up until now, that the greatest moment that I had experienced in Mets history was that the day they announced that like, Mike Piazza was coming to the New York Mets. That was really, uh, I remember where I was. And then he hit the I remember where I was. arguably most important home run in Mets history. Uh, September 11th? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whatever that day was, about 10 days after September 11th. But, uh, but going back to the rivalry, um, it was 1999. You probably remember Mets, Braves, NLCS. Uh, it was a it was a, a wild series, and so I'm just out of college. You know, I'm 24, whatever, however old I am back then. Living down here. Living down here. Um, you know, went to every game. You know, living and dying by by what the Mets are doing. And it was a game. They're they're down 3-0, I think, in the series. They win game four. Game five was uh, probably the greatest moment in Mets history after Billy Buckner was a Robin Ventura Grand Slam single. Walk-off single. The walk-off single, Grand Slam. It was in the – I forget what inning. It was late. It was 15 or 16 also. Um, I remember that – you know what's funny about the game? I had a softball <laughs> – bring it back to, to, to softball, but we, we – should shout out to the Fraggers too. I know, the Fraggers, right. So <laughs> I actually had a softball game that night, and it's the eighth or ninth inning, and I'm like, I'm going to be late for my softball game. And I was watching the game my brother. And I was like, the game's tied. I said, let me go run to the softball game real quick. I played for an hour, came back. Game's the game's still, still going, going on. And we watched Robin Ventura hit that Grand Slam single, which was just, I mean, I certainly had tears in my eyes. It was unbelievable. No, I that too. Well, let me give you a quick shout out from softball because I love that lefty swing you got <laughs> that just like, I've, I've, it's like you're holding a little wand, like a wizard with a wand. <laughs> like you put that ball wherever you want it. So well, I wish I could hit the ball like we, you and we, Hampton did. We, we, di- we digress. All right. So you, you've been a good sport with all, with all the, 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 the Met stuff that's been hurtful to you, but they've got a good team now. They've got, I think, they're set up in this first round to, to they're playing the Padres. Um, I told you I'm rooting for them. 
Hour and a half. Hour and a half. We're going to finish in plenty of time. <laughs> um, although we could talk before then. Um, so what's your headspace? Mets, Padres now. If they win, they got the Dodgers. I've told you I'm rooting for the Mets against the Padres. I'm rooting for the Mets against the Dodgers. What's going to happen? Uh, the, the matchup scares me with the Padres, to be honest. Uh, six games we've played in this year. We're two and four, not a huge sample size. You Darvish has, has put it to us in, two, in 14 innings, I think, one He's run tough. and six hits over, overall. He is tough. Um, but, I, you know, I read a stat today. I was watching the Phillies game, and I read a stat. They, they were, had across the bottom of the screen on ESPN that said that the Padres have like a league low – you know, 688 or whatever the number was, OPS against teams that throw 95 miles an hour. That's y'all. And we throw hard. Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett gets it up there. Our bullpen gets it up there. Diaz so, ridiculous. Obviously Diaz. So that, that, uh, reading that set gave me a little bit of hope. I feel good about it. We got Starling Marte is coming back tonight. Is he's he coming out back? for a month. That was a huge hole for you. He's in like. the starting lineup today. Um, and so I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm nervous as heck, but... Um, you know, we got Mad Max on the mound tonight, and I feel like he's going to go out there and give us a good game, and hopefully we take game. So if I'm a Padres fan, I'm liking myself. I'm saying you got to beat DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett somehow two out of three games. Now, the Braves did it, of course, but that's a tough, that's a tough gauntlet to go through. It is, tough, um, especially if they're all healthy. If they're all healthy. We know Bassett's healthy. There's, there's always questions about DeGrom's health. Um, you never quite know. The Mets play it pretty close to the vest, but I feel like he's he's in a good spot, and uh, and hopefully we get a, a Degrom like performance later. In the I series. like Scherzer, and you have to love him coming over. Love it. I mean, you know, uh, how do you compare him and Degrom? You know, it's funny when when Scherzer, you know, he he, co- he goes from one of those guys that you hate to now he's on your team. He's one of those guys that you, you love. love, right? Yeah. They're 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 very different pitchers. Um, Degrom is very. Um, very calm and cool out there. He's quiet. Um, he's very intellectual. He kind of reminds me of Maddox in that way. Just very intellectual looking at on the mound. He's very focused. On but, he, but he throws 100. And he throws 100. A little different than Maddox. <laughs> a little different than Maddox. Uh, Scherzer is just a freaking bulldog. I mean, he has that look in his eyes, his different color eyes. And if you're the other team, you're just like, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, at the game the other day, I know, I know we lost, but... It was the, the bottom of the first. The Mets get out, what, a, probably one, two, three in the top of the first. Before you blink your eyes, Scherzer's standing out there on the mound by himself, Ready to go. waiting for his catcher, waiting for the rest of the team to get out there. He's just, he is a gamer. I know he's getting up there in age, but he still throws 95, 96. He's got that nasty slider. He is tough What's to What's the word on DeGrom getting re-signed for next year? Because <sighs> you're hearing, when I say you, it's being heard, him coming to Atlanta. What would that do to you? I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. <laughs> <laughs> say it. If DeGrom becomes a brave, I'm moving out of the city. Oh, God. I'm leaving. Christy, you hear I that? I can't do put it. The ha- put the house for sale. The house is he going gone. on the market. He gone. It that would, would be it tough for you. The Mets historically have never lost many guys to Atlanta. You know, the one that comes to mind is Darno. Darno kind of resurrected his career in Atlanta. He's done a great job. But we, you know, we cut him. I mean, we didn't trade him. He, he was not great with us. He was, uh, he was a guy that came up uh, in that trade with the Blue Jays. He was supposed to be the next uh, Buster Posey. Never turned into it. So solid. Uh, but he's doing a great job with Atlanta. But, but, but uh, you know, if, if DeGrom comes to Atlanta, I don't know what I would do. But, um, you know, DeGrom's going to get 40-45. He wants 50. Uh, it's going to be – I don't know how the Braves can afford that. But, but 50 is tough for a guy that – you know, he's not a young chicken. He's not a spring chicken. He's in his – he's probably 30, 
32, 33, Inju- Injuries worry me with him, too. I mean. The injuries. Um, he's going to get a great contract. I think in my heart of hearts, he wants to be met. I think he'll stay with the Mets. They'll get it done. Uh, we've got more money than we know what to do with. Uh, DeGrom needs to be a priority. Um, we got a lot of free agents. This is the year. The Mets need to do something this year because we're going to lose a few of these guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're in the postseason, and we've got to get it done. So do you get it done against Padres? What do you think? What's we your do. prediction? We do. It's going to go three. Yeah. Um, I think we win tonight. Um, I think we're, the, the rumors are Bassett will go tomorrow in game two um, against Snell. The Mets don't do great against lefties. Is that depending upon what that. happens tonight? I think if they, if they lose tonight, they go to Grom. If yeah, they win, they'll go to. Bassett. Um, and then uh, if it goes game three, which I think it will, we'll see DeGrom out there, and I think we get it done. I'm going to go ahead and make a new drink just with the bourbon. Yeah. We're not going to go through the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, to make, but when we're done, we're going to do the whole uh, Manhattan thing again. So um, i get my got to get my train of thought back here now. Focus on your bourbon, Josh. Mo- most important. So you, the atmosphere in Manhattan tonight is going to be what? Uh, it's gonna be cra- it's gonna be crazy. Shea, 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 I call it Shea Stadium, City Field. Um, I was there as I mentioned earlier, Game Three of the 2015 World Series, and it was I've never been in a stadium that was like that. It was unbelievable. New York's fan, New York Mets fans specifically, Yankees have had their moments, but Mets fans have been waiting, yearning for it. for a team like this since 1986. We had a good team in 15. It wasn't a great team. We had a good team in 2000. It wasn't a great team. This is a great team. They won 101 games. It's going to be crazy. I'm glad it's a night game. It's kind of like LSU. They say LSU at night is crazy. City Field at night, those fans are out there all day drinking. It's going to be nuts. Now, this this podcast is going to air when the series is over. Oh, God. So you're either going to look good <laughs> or you're going to look bad. I mean, like, we could publish it tomorrow, but we're going to we're gonna let it marinate a little bit and see. So um, let's just assume that, that the, Bra- excuse me, the Braves, the Mets win, as, yes. as you predict and as I hope. Um Matchup against the Dodgers because I, as a Braves fan, like I'm not looking too far ahead, but obviously the Dodgers are the you know 800 pound grill in the room. Yeah. Like how how do you see that play out? Because if I'm a Dodgers fan, I don't want to go up against the Mets in a short series. Probably not. I mean they're they're more familiar with San Diego. They're probably more comfortable playing San Diego. But but from the other perspective, the Dodgers, I don't think they're a great matchup for anybody, right? Who wants to play the Dodgers? You know Nobody. that's why the Mets and Braves battled for what they did. To avoid really them. to avoid the Dodgers. That's exactly right. That's all it was, and so we drew the short end of that that stick. But you know, if we've got uh, Degrom and Scherzer for for three of those potentially five games, I think we're in pretty decent shape. Depends how long this first series goes. If it goes three, I think we only have them for two of those five. So it's important. That's it's a, important to win. Two. It's important to win in two. So for the Braves' perspective, we get the winner of the Phillies-Cardinals. As of this taping, Phillies beat the Cardinals in the first game. What a game that was, What too. a game, which, as a Braves fan, like, I don't want to see the Cardinals. We've had run-ins with the Cardinals. I don't want the Wainwright thing. I don't want the Molina thing. I don't want the Pujols thing. I want them gone. I can deal with Bryce Harper. Careful what you wish for, man. The Phillies are sneaky tough. Nola, Wheeler, Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos, Hoskins. I'll still take them over the Cardinals. Okay. I'll still take them over the Cardinals. And I might, I might be wrong, but I feel like we've we've seen the Phillies so much over the over the years that I don't know. I think that I, I'd rather I'd rather face them. I think the Braves handle either one of the probably, either one of the teams. Probably. Um, I think it's going to come down to I hope Braves Mets would be an unbelievable NLCS. Um, if it's Braves Dodgers, like that's kind of what everybody's been kind of looking at since yeah. the Freddie Freeman thing went down, and since last season, it'd be three years in a row we yeah, play lots, them. A lot of a lot of good storylines um, there too. I will tell you that 
watching your team play the Dodgers in a playoff game is absolute torture. It's torture because every out takes a Herculean effort, it feels like. They foul off pitches. They get on base. They hit singles. They don't strike out. They just work you to death. It's, I told you earlier, watching baseball now is grueling. Like, I'm excited to watch Mets enjoy the, Padres enjoy tonight. The off. Yeah, because I can just <laughs> enjoy it. But, like, playing the Dodgers is just – Well, I got to be honest. That's how I felt those three games in Atlanta last week. The, the, going through the Braves lineup, it's not quite the Dodger lineup, but it's pretty close – um, one through nine. I mean, freaking Michael Harris was, they moved him up in the lineup, but he's been batting nine all year. Yeah. He's a stud. Um, so, he's, you know, he's a stud. it's a, if it ends up being Braves Dodgers, which I really hope it's not, uh, what a great matchup that would be. Don't you see if it is Braves Dodgers, don't you see a situation where Kenley Jansen is facing Freddie Freeman in like a huge no doubt. spot? Like, no doubt. It is, it is no doubt. preordained. No doubt. And you can't have much confidence in Kenley Jansen. Do you? I mean, don't, wouldn't you? We've seen that. He's been good lately. I know that. But So I will say this. I'm on, obviously, just like you are with your Mets fans, Mets friends. I'm on tons of Braves chains that are active every night. I have some friends that are like, F that guy. I can't watch Jansen play again. I have other guys that are like, look, Will Smith went through struggles last year. He came back, and he was money in the postseason. Kenley's been good recently. He was, yes. he was great against the Mets. He He's not Diaz. Nobody Three games is. in a row, too. Three games in a row. So um, Jimmy DiMartini is all about Jansen. He says he is going to be this year's Will Smith in the playoffs. So hmm. I'm riding that train. But does he make me nervous? Hell yeah. You can tell Kenley Jansen's outing by his first pitch. Oh, yeah. You can tell by his first pitch. If his cutter is doing its thing, he's throwing strikes, he's going to be fine. Once he loses that, he's throwing low 90s with no movement, and he gets rocked. Yeah. And he has no, no ability to come off the mound and field a bunt. Maybe y'all did that to him. One of the teams just – maybe it was the Cubs. Somebody. And, and you're bunting on him. They're stealing bases on him. He can't move. And then the, everybody's running around. So, yes, he scares everyone. It's funny. In the, in the Mets uh, – Nationals game, I guess it was t- last. It was Tuesday night. The night the Braves was it Tuesday. The Braves clinch. I think it's the ninth inning, and Jansen's in. And I'm watching the Mets game, but instead of showing the Mets game, they're they got the camera into one of the suites at City Field where they can see a TV of the Braves game, and they showed basically the whole ninth inning of uh, the Braves game. And Jansen, he looked dominant that he night. Did, he yeah. threw. I think he almost had an ma- immaculate inning. I think he did. He, he was, he was eight pitches, strikes, yeah. and then the ninth one they fouled off, and he ended up he ended up closing down, but. I've got to, I mean, either way, I have to predict the Braves to run through and become the National League, you know, win the pennant again. I so would have that, expected that, nothing. That, that's where I stand. I wasn't that way all year. I actually didn't think the Braves were going to win the division. I posted on social media a couple of weeks ago that I thought that the Mets were going to win the division. Um, I thought the Braves were going to get just right there. I thought that a sweep was a lot to ask, but I think the Braves are going to win the pennant. Who do you think wins the National League pennant? Well, I mean, with, with my heart, it's the Mets, and I would love nothing more for, for the Mets to come back to Atlanta. And, um, you know, I, I probably won't go to any of those games this time, though. I, you know, maybe change up the mojo a little bit. Um, so I'm going Mets. I got to go Mets. You have to. I have to. I can't, I can't say another team right now. Um, if, I, if, if you put a gun to my head, I would probably say L.A., I could see L.A., um, but I think there's something special going on with the Mets this year, and, and I hope we see it through. All right, well, good enough. All right, well, so you'll take the Mets, shocker. I'll take the Braves, <laughs> shocker. American Not League. How much credibility for um, either uh, of us. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, American League, can you speak intelligently eh, about those teams? A little because, bit. Because, I mean, I can bit, tell you who I you like, know. but, I mean, what do, you, what do you got? Give us kind of your rundown so, of those teams. So, you know, the Astros are going to be hard to beat. 
Verl- I mean, Verlander at, what is he, 39, throwing like he's 24. I mean, he's been unbelievable. That lineup is, is a murderer's row, similar to Atlanta and L.A. So it's going to be hard to get, get through Houston. I would love to see Cleveland get there. The, 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 well, I guess the, the Guardians. The Guardians, sorry. Got to be politically correct. I would love to see the Guardians. I mean, the Indians, the Guardians, hard to not, it's really hard not to say that. Hey, Mama calls them Indians, say, I call them Indians. Indians. You know, no expectations coming into this year. We had the Lindor trade from a couple of years ago. We gave them our two of our best prospects, and they have flourished with Atlanta. It's been sorry with Cleveland. It's been fun watching them. I think it would be. I know they're a long shot to get to the World Series, but I think it would be unbelievable to see a Cleveland New York World Series with the, the storyline with Lindor going back to Cleveland and Rosario and Jimenez back to their old team against the world in the World Series. That would be uh, that'd be great. So they're your pick in your heart, but not in your not no. In your it's brain. Houston. It's Houston. It's got to be Houston. Which I'm kind of tired of, by the way. Yeah. Like, like I remember a couple of years Nobody ago, like Bregman was young and Correa and Altuve, but people are sick of Houston yeah. cheaters. The whole thing. My, I had some. I didn't go to any of the World Series games in Houston last year, but I had a lot of friends that did, and they just said it was like a blah atmosphere, yeah. and people just don't really care. And um, I, I like the Blue Jays. I like the Blue Jays. I like the the all the sons of all the players yeah, that we all sure, know. For sure. You know, I mean, I, I always liked Vlad Guerrero. Um, he got inducted to Hall of Fame the same class that Chipper did. And we went to Cooperstown for that induction. So I, I kind of feel a little connection to Vlad just from seeing him go through that. And Bo Bichette is having an un- – nobody talks about him, but he is an unbelievable He's a top five player. shortstop. Absolutely. You know? Um, and then Biggio can play too. Um, so I like, I like Toronto. I like to see them make a run. I like to see them knock out Houston. Um, Cleveland's an interesting pick. I don't know much about them. Um, the Yankees – Tough pit. Their pitching is pretty – Bieber and, and uh, Tristan McKenzie, they've got great starting pitching. Just like, I mean, every team every, in the postseason. Yeah, when you get this far, top three starters are great. Um, I, wouldn't upset, I would not be upset to see the Yankees in the World Series. Braves-Yankees, huh? I think the Braves, the, the last thing. So, so I would not watch so, at, so, at all, just so you know. <laughs> so viewership through the roof, minus one. Right. Um, so Georgia sports has had a long, tortured history, but we've exercised some demons recently. But there's some Yankees demons that we need to exercise. So if I could write this script, um, which I guess in this podcast I can write whatever script I want, um, I want Braves versus Yankees in the World Series, and I want to I wanna take down the Yankees. Yeah. Will you go to games in New York if that happens? Will you travel? Probably not. No, okay. Probably not. I mean, that, that would be a tough, a tough place to go and watch a game. I mean, yeah. Houston, um, Houston I think would be more likely that I would go, uh, but I don't think I'd go to New York. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I don't know what I would do. Braves, Yankees. That, I guess what was the last? They, was that ninety six? Yeah, I think it I was, was at one of those games. I was a, a junior at Emory. I remember going to one of those games. I think I, I think I fell asleep in the sixth inning. What you, what happens when you're in college? Yeah. So Braves won ninety five over the Indians, and then ninety six were up two nothing coming home back to back, and then all the wheels fell off. But we can save yeah. that for another. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to talk about your fantasy football days, fantasy baseball. Oh yeah, days, fantasy okay. baseball. Sure. Um, because our other friend Brian Karen, you and him have been in in leagues forever, um, and y'all are like hardcore about it. Hard, and we're you pretty hard. Travel, get yeah. together. Yeah. So talk a little about like how that started. Has your friend Brian Karen, our friend Brian Karen, told you that he is now the official champion no, this year? He win this year. He won. As in uh, a couple of days ago, he's, he's, he's his not, first he's, title. He's not been boasting. His first title. I'm, I'm surprised by that, actually. How long, how long has title. this league been going on for? This league has been, it's called the Field of Dreams Fantasy Baseball League. So shout out to all my, my FOD guys. Um, 
this was from college. This was a, a creation our sophomore year in college, so probably 96. The, the 96 season might have been our first season. So it's, you know, we have anywhere from 11 to 13 guys in the league, kind of the same core group of six or seven guys from college. We bring in new people here and there. We added Brian. We added my friend Corey, who you know well. Um, and we have, uh, you know, it's, it's quite the league. The, 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 we have a constitution, believe it or not. We have, you have the, a constitution. We, we have a constitution, yeah. The founding fathers sat together at we a table have, like this and drafted a constitution. We did, we did. Are and, these uh, the rules of engagement for anybody who These wants are the rules of engagement. You have to read, if you're going to join the league, you have to make sure you know the constitution backwards and forwards. Do you know it backwards um, and forwards? I don't. I mean, I've read it. I've read it. We have a preamble. Uh, I'm not going to read the preamble, but we have a preamble and everything. It's pretty, pretty wild. Um, it's just funny over the years. You know, we, we use this as an excuse, you know, kind of all joking aside. Get together, to get together, sure. right? To for see sure. college friends. Uh, we, we've done our draft uh, in person every year for the last 25 years. It's minus, you know, COVID, we didn't do it. And maybe one other year, I can't remember. But we go to Vegas. We go to, uh, you know, wherever. We've been to San Diego, Washington, D.C., New York, Atlanta a couple of times. And um, anyway, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've only won it once. I hate to say over twenty five years. It's it's not easy. It's not easy to win. So is it a? I mean, daily. Y'all are changing your lineups, putting it's, things in. It's a it's a weekly. It used to be daily, and then as we've gotten older with less time, we've we've made it a weekly lineup uh, lineup change type thing. But you know, we have some interesting rules in there um, over the years. Things things get added to the constitution. I'll give you an example. We have. It's an auction-style league, so at your draft, you're bidding on players. You're shouting out $2 for Mike Trout or whatever it is. Um, well, years ago, there was a player named Benji Gill. I don't know if you remember Benji Gill. He played for the California Angels back in the, the mid to late 90s. No memorable, I don't remember him. Benji Gill in our auction actually went for minus $1. <laughs> Negative dollars. The only player in the history of our auction so to, explain to, that to, to go me. for negative one. I don't remember how it happened, but it happened. And so uh, what we do every year now is, is we great. have 12 teams in the league. The top five compete in a, in a one-month playoff for the championship, and then the bottom seven compete in the Benji Gill tournament. The Benji Gill tournament. <laughs> so he's, na- he's, he's now the – So the winner of the Benji Gill gets paid too. So uh, Benji Gill lives, lives in infamy in our league. Oh, my it's God. Pretty, that, pretty pretty funny. We got, a lot, we got a lot of rules like that. That's so good. And, you got, and I know you guys travel to places to get together, and that, that, that's good stuff. We so, do. Look, man, between your, your, your – coaching baseball and between your you know being on boards and fantasy baseball and your work like how do you got time for all this man i don't know i don't know it's it's a lot you get home from work and there's always somewhere you're going usually to to fuller's park which is you know at the end of the day it's a great place to have to go after work so um i definitely spend less time on fantasy baseball now than i used to um we kind of just do it for the for the once a year get together and you know you're donating 150 bucks usually every year to to somebody but um uh it's fun it keeps it keeps us young i love it i love it now the work part we just we gloss over very quickly but talk a little bit about your day-to-day function what you're doing people are always interested in um learning about kind of what people do i mean so so i i talked a little bit earlier you know from deloitte to delta um Ended up, you know, I was at Delta Airlines for four or five years and, um, you know, a huge company. I Deloitte into a huge company, Delta, a huge company. My personality, I thought, was a little more fitting for somewhere small, a little more entrepreneurial. And so I made a decision back in 2006 to, uh, to go look for a different job and ended up with Orkin and Associates, where I am right now. We're a, a commercial real estate investment and development company uh, up here in, uh, uh, we're in Milton, Georgia. Uh, small company. We have eight employees. Um, I'm the CFO. 
I wear a lot of hats, though. Um, when, you, when you're working at a what, company, what about the New York Mets hat? That's right. Um, <laughs> when when you work at a company with with eight people, um, you have to do a lot of different jobs. Your, your job title is one thing, but you know, I, 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 I'm kind of the HR guy. I'm kind of the IT guy, even though I know nothing about IT. Um, people come to me with their IT issues, and I have to, and I have and to figure out, you know, what's going on. And, and same with HR. I hear, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of real, I, well, let's be honest, I had no real estate experience when I joined that company. And it wasn't a requirement for me at the time. And I was told by uh, by my boss, Adam, at the time that, hey, just come here, help us out on the finance side, and we'll teach you real estate along the way. And um, it's been 16 years, and he's done that. And um, I guess I know enough to be a little bit dangerous. Um, but um, I definitely focus a little bit more on the finance side. But um, it's been a great fit, and um, I'm very happy. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Well, the real estate world, as you've, I'm sure, seen, is just up and down. <laughs> it is wild. You know, my first, I joined in 06, and, and when, when the, the you-know-what hit the fan in 08, you know, not a lot was going on, so my first few years there were were, were kind of lean. Yes, yeah, so if you weather through that, then you're we, good. We did. Right? We I mean, survived that well. We we kept you know our tenants intact for the most part, and we've come out of it and we've thrived, and uh, we're doing a lot of great work right now. I love it, man. Well, good for you. Well, look, dude, this is so much fun. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. I, I believe you are the perfect person to come <laughs> and have this conversation on this day. You have a great attitude. Uh, I'm rooting for the Mets tonight. I promise. Wow, you heard it here I'm first. Rooting, I'm rooting for the Mets. I heard I, it here I, first. I hope they do it. We got one uh, hour till get first what, pitch. Yeah, I want to. I want to give us plenty of time to make a fresh batch of of the Manhattans and get you situated in your chair because it's been a couple of years since you had playoff baseball, right? So, so it's funny. I in my head, it's 2015 World Series, but I forget the Mets did make the wild card game in 2016. I think we lost to. Oh man, I don't Arizona. No, I think it was Bumgarner and the Giants that year in 2016. I think that uh, don't quote me on that, but um, I don't count those one game playoffs well, as making the let playoffs. Me, really, let me ask you this. I mean, do you like this new wild card format? I love it. I mean, it's the first year they're doing it, so we'll see. But you know, it gives a clear advantage certainly to the teams that are in these wild card. You got three home games, win two out of three, and advance. It's not a one game crapshoot. So I love that aspect of it. Um, it gives a good advantage to those other four teams, the division winners, because uh, th- sorry, the other three division winners, because they get, you know, they get not a well-rested team that they have to face. In you're going first game, you're going to be facing somebody's three or four, even not, five not, starter, not their right? Ace, so yeah. that, they get a, a clear advantage there. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, the Mets have a lot of work to do: San Diego, L.A., Atlanta, just to get there. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. So I I like having more teams in the mix at the end of the year with the opportunity to get into the playoffs. I mean, I think that was the idea, right? Like three wild card teams versus that. So I like it. We'll see. I mean, I, it's a tough gauntlet. And if you make it through the wild card round, like dilly dilly do the other rule change I want to ask you about before we leave, I keep asking more questions. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, the shift. <laughs> yeah. Where, where, where do you stand on that? The shift. Um, I guess I'm a somewhat indifferent to shift. I, I'm 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 excited. Well, let's just say I'll make I'll take a stand right now. Yeah, take a I'm, stand. I'm excited to to go back to the way it used to be, and it's not quite the way it used to be. I think the rule, as it as it stated, is you just have to be on on one side of second base, not in the grass. So teams can still slightly shift. You just can't be overshifted. Um, 
you know, it's going to it's gonna take away uh, some hits from guys that, that are able to kind of poke the ball the other way, and it's going to have the opposite effect too. So um, it's back to kind of what baseball used to be. So as a left-handed batter, I've seen you hit that ball down the left yeah. field line a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm watching a game and I'll it's Jeff a big McNeil. spot. That's my guy. That's what Jeff, Jeff Neal. I'm going to have one more question about him yeah. too. Uh, why is it so hard for these left-handed batters to not just hit a ground ball through the hole? Yeah, I mean, on the left side. So, so I do it against a softball that's coming at me 15 miles an hour. I imagine, you know, a 90, 96 mile an hour fastball, a little bit harder to do. Um, sliders, curveball. It's just, it's not, you know, you play baseball. I know, it's I know. Not but an watching easy TV, it's like, come on, dude, just play pepper. Just, you know, they got the whole half of the field open and guys, but, you know, you saw guys do it a little bit this year. You meant, I mentioned Jeff Mingo. He, there's nobody better. Uh, there's nobody better at that than Jeff McNeil. So Jeff McNeil, uh, earlier this week, did not play game 162 yes. to protect his lead in the batting average race. Freddie Freeman had to go four for four, I think, to catch him. He went yeah. three for four. Yeah, he had a great day. Um, okay for, for a McNeil to sit and not play that game? 100%. Why? Well, first of all, it wasn't his choice, if you ask it was Buck's choice. Jeff wanted to play. That was what oh, they say. Okay, so Jeff wants to Jeff play. wanted to play. Buck said, you're not playing. Um, and so, you know, you see, you see guys do that all the time. He's not the first guy to sit I, with a lead. Um, they, met, they, they weren't playing for anything the last game of the year. Uh, you know, Freddie's had all year to, to, to get those extra points. Freddie slumped the last couple last week or so of the year. I mean, he had a four or five point lead on Jeff uh, with a week to play. I actually agree with you. I mean, my friends are all like, McNeil's such a whatever nah, loser. But not at all. I, I agree. I mean, the, the game meant nothing. Um, in 10 years from now, he'll still be the batting champion. If that matters, I mean, now OPS is the, right. is the thing. But the I, OPS champion. <laughs> but, I still, but I still think batting average champion like has some cliche to it. Yeah. Or cachet, what's the word? Um, so it's funny the, the Mets, uh, the Mets hitting coach, I think it's Eric, remember Eric Chavez from the A's, uh, oh, he's, he's, he's the Mets hitting coach. He said in spring training that Jeff McDeal has the best bat to ball skills that he's ever seen in his entire life. Well, he life. swings the, the, the leg of a chair and he chokes <laughs> up halfway through, like, what is, what is that guy doing? It's crazy to watch him, but yeah, I mean, well, he, when you see him turn on one, hit one out every once in a while, it's pretty unbelievable what he, he does. does. He does. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, thank you for doing this. I learned a, a lot about, about, you know, Mets history and baseball and what you're doing. So it's all good. Um, and we'll find out in a couple of weeks, well, a month or so, where our predictions Absolutely. fall. So Thanks for let, having me. Let's go have some fun. You're not going to chop 10 this, are you? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh. <laughs> no, I meant, I meant your classic oh, ending. Oh, oh, oh. What, is the, what is the Mets like rallying cry? What do you guys do? Uh, I don't know. I guess we don't really have one. Do we need one? I don't really think we need one. Yeah, I always I tell people always to keep chopping, which is a play not only on the Braves, but the Georgia Bulldogs had that for a while too. Oh, I didn't that, know that. Yeah, that oh, was really? yeah. So that was when a Kirby when Kirby first came to Athens a couple years ago. He, every year Kirby picks like a mantra, you know, to go by and keep chopping or start start, start you know start chopping or something like that was one of his things. So I can marry both of those. And, That's that I learned something today too. As always, keep chopping. So that's what we'll do. Everybody, thank you all for listening. Mark, my man, appreciate you. And thank appreciate you for all that you've done in Eastside Baseball. Like you've yeah. created a place that is, you know, awesome for our, for our kids, and we appreciate it. Absolutely. So, uh, let's go root the Mets on, man. All right. All right, guys, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll see how the Braves do, see how the Mets do. Braves are going to win the World Series. Talk to you all later. Keep chopping. <laughs>